Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another insightful episode of the Digital Adoption Show, where we dive deep into topics shaping the modern workspace. I am your host, Nebu, Director of Information Development at Whatfix. And today, we have a very special guest with us, Egle Vinoske, who is the Learning and Strategist Director at Nodes. In today's episode, we'll explore more about some of the L&D innovations and how they are elevating the learning experiences with human AI synergy. So without any further delay, let me share more about our guest for the show. Egle is a seasoned professional at the forefront of transforming education through cutting edge technology and forward thinking strategies. With a degree in education from Harvard, she specializes in applying principles from adult development behavioral science and educational neuroscience to revolutionize learning and product design. Her passion lies in helping startups build cutting-edge edtech products and supporting corporate L&D in creating scalable, digitally-enabled upskilling programs and strategies. Currently, Egle serves as a learning strategist and director at Nodes, where her commitment to driving innovation in education is truly exemplified. We are truly excited to have you on our show today, Egle, to delve into the fascinating realm of edtech and its transformative power in L&D. Egle, let's begin by getting to know you better. Why don't you share a bit about yourself and your journey as a learning strategist and director at Nodes? Hey, Nibu. Uh, I think you've covered a lot of my background already. Ever since I found myself in this industry, I have worked on learning technology in its many forms platforms, blended programs, courses, mobile apps, VR, and lately AI, both in workplace learning and outside of it. And that's what Nodes is, thinking about learning from first principles, understanding what technology can help scale at learning and borrowing from other disciplines, connecting Nodes, if you will, uh, to make it more effective, engaging, and ultimately accessible. And as you said, I help vendors to create learning technology products and organizations to put them to good use in their upskilling programs. That's exciting. Let's do this a little differently. So let's start off with a lightning round of rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Go for it. If you were a superhero, what special ability or power would you want to have? Light, definitely. Light? Light, flying. Okay. What's your go-to leisure activity when you need a break from work? A simple hour-long walk in a park in silence. Okay. What's the most unusual or unexpected way you've seen technology used for learning? Meditation apps. Uh, you learn a skill without deliberately learning a skill. Wow. That sounds interesting. If you could invite any historical figure, living or dead, to a, to a dinner party, who would it be? Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong? Wow. Why? <laughs> oh, so many things. First of all, how do you achieve that kind of excellence and what you do? Then what it's like to achieve something that wasn't even possible or even dreamable when you were born? What's it like to be someone who pushes humanity forward? Like so many things. I would want him to pretty much take me step by step through what it felt like. <laughs> to walk on that moon. <laughs> okay, that's, that is awesome. Okay, one more. Imagine you have a magic wand that you can instantly improve one aspect of education systems worldwide. What would you change? Poverty. I would remove it. 
Okay. You, so you believe that poverty also influences education levels? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You cannot, it, it doesn't matter if you change teaching practices or technology or anything. If children go to school hungry, the adversity they might face affects their behavior and their ability to learn in such fundamental ways that there is nothing we as teachers or learning experts can do to overcome that unless it's addressed at the fundamental level. So is it poverty or hunger? Both. Poverty leads to hunger, poverty leads to, to adversity, to behavioral problems, so many things. So mm -hmm. hunger is just one way it presents itself. Right, because in India, we have schools, government schools actually offer a midday meal. And I, I think there's a lot of success in that, where they send children so that they will at least get food that way. I mean, de definitely, definitely. And I'm not surprised that's successful because, yeah, you cannot learn if, if, if you're hungry, if you haven't eaten since uh, since last dinner. Yeah. And uh, and I think one of the rules is when you are studying, you make, you've got to make sure that you have eaten something because if you go hungry, then nothing is going to go in, into your head, right? Yeah, exactly. So it affects your focus at the very least. It affects your... Because... Uh, cognitive engagement and learning is a very energy-consuming activity. If you are running on fumes, what can you do? Even adults struggle with that. For example, if you, for example, if you don't sleep before before a day at work uh, and you don't eat and you skip lunch because you're racing towards the deadline, by the end of the day you're just knackered. You absolutely there's no way you could sit down and, and learn anything. So with kids. They have even less ability to to regulate and focus and be disciplined. So, yeah, that's a very human thing. Interesting. So as we delve into the world of L&D innovations and synergy between humans and AI, could you provide our audience with an overview of your experience and how you see AIs shaping the future of learning experiences with close collaboration with humans? Yeah, so when it comes to AI and learning experiences, I like to simplify it and think of it in terms of performance support and upscaling, because AI makes performance support quicker and upscaling longer, meaning continuous and more deliberate. So it's, it's a good thing. So far, we have had a lot of conflation of content with learning. For example, we want someone to be a good communicator, so we'll send them to a communication course, either a face-to-face -face one uh, where they do role plays for a few hours and then go back to work, or a digital one, which often involves some sort of content about communication and preset branching scenarios, right? In my opinion, things like branching scenarios, these sorts of interactions that we have used a lot in online learning, and, and they're not bad by themselves, but I feel like they have always been proxies for skill development, the best that technology could offer for a long time. Until now, when AI can finally offer an upskilling sandbox with actual practice in someone's natural language, meaning that I don't choose from an option from um, a multiple choice question. I actually respond naturally in how I would respond in a, in a real life situation. And I get instant personalized feedback and even encouragement to keep practicing. So that is what AI can do on the upskilling side. Now, if we think about performance support, we could have real-time AI suggestions that help me 
communicate with a client on a sales call, right? So not short videos or courses that you can't really pull up at the point of need, but actual support as I'm performing the activity. So that's what I mean by AI helping either performance support or upskilling. And this is where I think learning experiences are going with AI. They have to lean into either performance support or upskilling and lose the proxies in the middle and just, yeah, pretty much do the do the real thing. Okay, that's interesting. So what you're saying is it is removing a lot of barriers in learning. It's removing the artificial element, I would say, because if you, if you think about your usual digital learning experience, probably two things come to mind. It's either a learning experience that has a lot of video and, and, and text, so pretty much just uh, displaying content. Or yeah. on the other side of it is uh, things like branching scenarios and interactivity and things like that. And so far, although they have a very good foundation, if they're done well, in terms of how they help, uh, help the learning process, they have so far been used as proxies, meaning that instead of me responding and practicing in my natural language, I would be confined within the structure of a multiple choice question, right? Because... What we would do is that we would ask someone to answer a question in a scenario or whatever, and then we would have feedback that we had written beforehand, pretty much based on the option that you select. So we have been trying to kind of replicate the real life experience, but we didn't have the technology to actually take in someone's real, real response, voice response, right? And to feedback on that, because mm -hmm. the way a person responds is the way they think, is the way they form sentences. And this is that the feedback that, that AI can offer on that is much more personalized. It's much more targeted than anything you can do in a, say, a course on that skill. So that's where we go into actual skill development, because I'm sure that everyone knows here in learning that content does not help develop skills. Practice, feedback, reflection help develop skills. And AI can finally do that. So can we say that AI is making learning more practical and less theoretical? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. How is AI addressing the attention span problem in learning? Ah, the thing is that Attention span, obviously we have a lot of distractions around us. However, we pay attention to things that are relevant to us, right? Mm -hmm. So I always say that the key to engagement isn't some sort of fancy interaction. It, it, it can be, for example, if you put people in, uh, in VR, they are awed at, at their surroundings and perhaps for some time, for the first time they were there, they, they may focus a bit more. But ultimately, or for example, if you have a really good facilitator, right, that helps people focus their, their attention. But ultimately, it is about the main tool for engagement that you have is relevance. It's knowing the person, what they need, who they are, and giving them the solution, making their life easier, right? And that applies to learning. So when it comes to AI and attention span, what AI can do is it can help you pinpoint what that person finds relevant and to cut the fluff and pretty much get right to the point and deliver value quickly. Okay, that's, that's a great point. Another question that you know I was pondering about when I was thinking about this particular podcast is how much of technology you know plays a role in AI and learning 
And uh, if you look at developing countries, uh, do you see a challenge when it comes to affording this kind of technology? Or will this technology, this technology and methods be available only for, you know, developed countries? Do, do you see a gap there? Definitely. I think beyond this widespread jubilation about AI and how it's going to change work, how it's going to change learning across all levels from school to, to higher ed to, to workplace learning and lifelong learning, there is this unspoken issue of equality of access. And cost is already a huge consideration for organizations, even. Some of the best AIs, obviously, we have access to free ones, but some of the best ones, they are already paid. For example, GPT-4, $20, which may not seem like much, but in developing countries, $20 is a choice between AI and uh, a week of, of food, perhaps. So I would say definitely this is something that has to be, that this conversation has to be much louder. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the problem is, is that of empathy uh, because AI is coming right now from, from the US, uh, Europe is desperately trying to catch up. It's pretty much focused, development and conversations are focused in the, in the Western world and the voices of the rest of the world aren't being heard. So the, the Western, perhaps researchers, politicians, and anyone involved, all the stakeholders, they just do not have the empathy, not in a bad way, but just because they don't have exposure to what it's like to live a completely different life. And I think if this question is not addressed and if this problem of access is not solved, we're going to lose out on a huge chunk of AI's potential to affect and transform education. Uh, okay, AI-powered tools like ChatGPT are making waves in L&D, right? So could you provide some real-life world experiences or use cases where such tools have fundamentally transformed the ways L&D initiatives are conceived and executed? Uh, so people keep asking me that, mm. but I'm yet to come across a case where AI has fundamentally transformed L&D, I'm sorry to say. Experiments and pilots are happening, yes but no wholesale transformations as far as I'm aware. Generative AI is mostly used to speed up parts of the existing process, to quickly explore the topic of the learning content, to ideate learning outcomes, um, high-level learning designs, and obviously produce content, create text, video content, scripts, questions, and so on. So that's where we're at right now. And note that on that list, I didn't even touch on measuring learning outcomes, because from what I've seen, there's barely anything going on. Right, right. So you talked about relevance, right? So one of the big issues that I faced, you know, even in school was not understanding why am I studying such things, right? So how is AI even helping us students or people who are learning something identify the relevance of the topic? when it comes to learning? Yeah, so the first thing is that AI can help you see the person as a whole person. So what do I bring into a learning experience? What's my starting point? What do I care about? What are my pains? What are my goals and desires? What am I afraid of? What drives me? Things like that, right? Because it is me as a whole person who has my own motivations. So AI can potentially affect all of these things that could take into account someone's background, starting point, goals, fears, desires, and adjust the presentation of content or the learning path altogether to speak to these things. 
So that's that's one way this can happen. On the motivational side, for example, I want to know that people like me have done what you want me to do. I want I want something to aspire to, right? So if, if we think about developmental psychology, these these concepts of this identity, I want to have the identity of someone who is doing the thing that you want me to do. And AI again uh, could help you as a learning designer empathize uh, through conversation. You know, ask AI to to play the role of your target user learner, and AI can help you as a learning designer empathize with what it is like to be them, right? So that's another way that it, it gives you the tool to actually create that relevance for the person. And finally, it's with what we talked about already. Uh, it's about meeting me as a learner where I am. Um, because if I'm speaking with a human counterpart in a conversation, I would adjust or the counterpart would adjust to what I'm saying and understand where I'm coming from. And AI is offering the kind of technology where I'm having an actual conversation, especially now that we can use voice interface, I'm having an actual conversation and the feedback that I'm getting is literally on the words that I'm saying and the way I'm saying them. It's not generic exercise or generic feedback. It is giving me feedback on exactly what I'm saying. So everything is relevant. There is no fluff. So yeah, that's how AI can can supercharge relevance. And I think that kind of relates to this entire topic of what we're talking about here. It's about human plus AI, that AI is, it is not just about speeding up content production. It is about helping you empathize with the humans that you're serving as a learning designer, as an L&D professional, as a teacher. Okay. So let me go back into that measuring question, right? So when we hire, even today, I, I lead a team of writers and what I look for is their ability to write. So we, even before we talk to them, we give out an assignment. Now the assignment comes back and I don't know if it is chat GPT that has written it or if it is they who have written it. And when it comes to uh, learning itself, there's a lot, there was a lot of emphasis on memory. How much were you able to remember and uh, reproduce, right? How much of that is changing and do you see drastic changes in the way learning is measured? When Now, the question that my daughter asks me is, why do I have to remember all of this, right? I can Google it. I can use ChatGPT and it would tell me what I need to know. I just need to know how to use that tool, right? I don't need to remember all of this. I can spare my memory for something that is more valuable to me or more important to more relevant to me. Oh my, what a question. <laughs> so a, a few things come to mind here. And I'm sure this is, this is one of these questions where I answer it now and I'll be ruminating on it for, for the rest of the day. And tomorrow morning, I would be like, oh, I should have said something different or I should have said something more. But what immediately comes to mind are two things. First of all, as you say, we need to rethink What's the point of learning? Uh, for example, even in a, in a school context where a lot of, in, in pretty much every school system that I am familiar with, the focus is on memorizing facts and then writing them down or remembering them in, a, in an exam or something like that, wow. right? So we really need to think about now that we have easy access to that, that knowledge, what is the point of schools, right? Yeah. And learning, obviously, on school. So you're right in that regard. And I do think that your daughter is right as well, <laughs> in that the skill is about knowing what you need in the moment 
or what mm. information you need or what kind of help you need. Being able to ask the question, specify the problem, that's the skill that, in, in my opinion, we're going to need going forward because those are the skills that help us integrate AI into our work, into our learning, into our life, right? In, mm. in, a, in a good, meaningful way. And in a way that actually, if we think about beyond school, that gives us a competitive advantage in the job market. It helps us produce higher quality work and so on. So that's one thing. On the flip side, foundational knowledge is still essential. You need to know the fundamentals of a subject to be able to actually do something with it. I cannot ask good questions about something if I'm barely familiar with the subject matter. I cannot QA, I cannot sense check mm -hmm. uh, the output of AI if I don't already deeply know the subject. So there's the interplay of yes, knowledge is easily accessible. However, knowledge and skill building, the sort of fundamental skill building, mm -hmm. uh, knowledge and skill building, these are different things that actually enables me to use AI masterfully it still needs to be done the old school way of actually putting in the effort and learning those things. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I will try to convince my daughter about it. <laughs> so when you're trying to roll out learning initiatives, do you face any kind of adoption challenges? What are these challenges and how are you effectively addressing them in your organization? Oh, Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. There are challenges and they are not just related to skills uh, mm -hmm. because that's something that people immediately think about. Also, oh, we cannot roll out AI because people can barely use it. That's, that's not even the biggest challenge. <laughs> so one way to look at challenges is to break them down into individual technology and business challenges. So to give you a quick overview, if, if you think at the individual level, yes, there is a lack of skills and not just AI skills, but the skill of using AI and learning specifically. I think that's an important qualification. But also there is a lack of time to learn these skills and a general lack of trust in AI outputs, right? So to solve this, there is a need not just to dedicate proper time for people to gain skills and competence in AI, but also to teach them to discern its limitations. So you do not advocate that AI is the best thing ever. You're looking at it with a critical mind, right? So that's the individual level. At the technology level, we have the usual data privacy concerns, IT security restrictions, as well as potentially compatibility issues. How to integrate AI with existing systems, especially if they collect and analyze data in different ways. These are the kinds of issues that are being worked on right now and don't always have a clear and uh, universal solution, right? So mm -hmm. that's, that's the technology level. And finally, the business barriers... Obviously, cost is a huge one. The cost both to um, purchase AI tools and to hire or upskill people to use and customize them. So that's one. Another one is compliance. And a lot of times it's not the outright restriction that prevents people from using AI, but the ambiguity about what's allowed in my organization and not, right? And mm -hmm. then we have the, the holistic organizational resistance because naturally people fear change they fear losing their jobs they fear doing something wrong especially if it's unclear what's right and what's wrong right so the compliance thing and in fact resistance from top management is becoming quite a common blocker for ai adoption so that would be a summary of our bouquet of barriers amazing amazing 
So as we wrap up our discussion on the synergistic relationship between uh, humans and AI, could you share some practical strategies or ideas that facilitate collaboration and can harness the full potential of AI in learning and development? Yeah, sure. So at least three come to mind. <laughs> the first one is learn not just about AI, but about learning itself as well. And then explore how you can use AI for learning. Otherwise, you'll end up using AI to speed up and create more things that AI should actually replace. So that's the first. The second one is, and this is something that I talk about a lot, think human first, not content first. Be mm -hmm. curious about your fellow humans. Understand where they're coming from and what makes them tick. Only then will you be able to guide AI in the right direction and make it useful for yourself. And finally, when you're considering how to use AI in learning, stop and switch it around. Because the question you should be asking is, what barriers to performance are people facing? Which ones of these barriers can be solved with learning? And finally, where can AI help us do it faster, more efficiently, or more effectively? So note that the AI questions need to come last. Great, great. That was an amazing episode with a lot of insights and uh, you've shared a lot of light into L&D innovations and how we can elevate learning experiences through the human AI synergy, especially. I'm confident that our audience has gained invaluable insights from this discussion. And as we come to an end of this episode of L&D innovations, elevating learning experiences with human AI synergy, I'd like to extend our gratitude to Igle for sharing her experiences and expertise with us. But before we sign off, Igle, we'd love to hear your personal motto for success in this ever-evolving field of L&D. Oh, sorry, short and simple. Problem before technology. Awesome. That's, that's, that's a great personal motto to have. To our listeners out there, thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to leave your feedback and reviews on the platform wherever you're listening to the Maple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you prefer to tune in. Your input is invaluable to us. Stay tuned for a more thought-provoking discussion on the future of work. Thank you.